Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We're going to continue on the keys to overcoming faith. There was one lesson which I have omitted last week because the Lord put on my heart a, a fresh word to deliver to you, and that was on the principle of readiness. And so I wanted to conclude the series on studying the keys to overcoming faith. Today is part three. And we're going to go, first of all, to our foundational scripture, which is 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, reading from the New King James Version. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you may turn there, and so let's read it together. 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? As I mentioned in my previous studies, that God has given us the gift of overcoming faith. When we received Christ as our Lord and Savior, at that moment, the gift of faith was deposited into our spirits. As I've mentioned in my previous two studies that I shared with you, is that our faith is important or our faith needs to work together with other principles in order, in order to become effective, in order to bring the maximum results that we desire. And, um, and I've mentioned to you that the three keys that I first taught on the first lesson were understanding, knowledge and wisdom. We find that as we read Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19 and 20, the scriptures here are very clear that these three graces or these three principles were accompanying the faith of God in order to produce the desired results. Paul writing to the Thessalonians, if I can remind you, he writes to them and he says, I pray fervently for you night and day that I may see you face to face in order that I may complete or perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Obviously, the, the Thessalonians needed their faith to be established, to be completed, and to fill those gaps that Paul was talking about. And so these three principles, or these three graces, or these three spiritual forces, call it whatever you will, understanding, wisdom and knowledge. In Proverbs 3, 19 and 20, we read, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Now, it's imperative that, that we do possess these three uh, keys or principles for our faith to bring maximum results. Why is it important that we have understanding? I've mentioned to you in my previous studies that understanding establishes us in the faith. 
First of all, we need to understand the mind of God, the will of God, before we release and exercise our faith. If we do not understand the word, or if we do not understand what God desires or what God wills, then it's it's impossible to exercise faith when we do not have a clear understanding. Let me give you an example. Uh, years ago, I heard from the testimony of Kennedy Hagen that a student of his that was studying at the Rhema Bible College uh, just learned about Mark eleven twenty four that says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. He was so excited, he decided to try this verse out. So he stepped out in faith, and he prayed for his uncle, he said, who was in hospital, and he was severely, um, uh, his condition was severe, and he believed that God would heal and raise him up from the bed of sickness. But instead of healing, his uncle died. And so he was so disappointed, he came to Kennedy Hagan and he said, I've tried this verse, it doesn't work. And, um, and, Kenneth, and, and Kenneth Hagin said to him, explain to me, how did you try this verse? And the young man related to him that my uncle was in hospital, and I prayed and believed according to Mark eleven twenty four that says, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. But I didn't receive what I prayed, my uncle died. <laughs> and the wisdom of Kenneth Hagin said to him, what did your uncle desire? What did he want? Well, my uncle wanted to, he had his affairs in order and he just wanted to go home and be with the Lord. He didn't want to live anymore. Well, Kenneth Egan said to him, well, he got what he desired. And, <laughs> and, 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 and the young man understood that Mark eleven twenty four 24 was speaking about our desires, not somebody else's desires when you pray. You may pray for somebody and exercise your faith and pray the prayer of faith, but if that other person desires something else, then you're not going to have answers to your prayer. This prayer, Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus was speaking about our desires, what we desire when we pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So it's important that we have understanding of the scriptures, understanding of the word of God, and understanding of the mind of Christ before we exercise our faith. And we spoke about knowledge. Knowledge is vitally important because if we do not know what God promised us, it is impossible to believe God for it, to exercise faith for what we do not know that is promised to us. And I've made that statement last time that Faith begins where the will of God is known. When you know what God's will is, when you know what God promises you, then you have confidence to exercise your faith, and your faith will bring forth fruit and results because it is based on the knowledge of God's will and God's word. And finally, the wisdom of God. Wisdom is vitally important because, as I've mentioned to you last time, that wisdom gives us a plan of action by which we win the victory. And I mentioned to you about Joshua, who had a plan how to conquer the city of Jericho. We also spoke about Elijah and the widow, that uh, there was a plan. And when the prophet put the plan in action, and when the widow put the plan in action, 
they were both blessed. We see that throughout the scriptures. David, before he faced the Goliath, he had a plan. And he knew exactly how he was going to go about uh, defeating the giant. And he executed that plan. So that's what wisdom does. Gives us a plan of action through the Spirit. And when we put that plan into action, we receive uh, the desired result. I've also mentioned to you the fourth key or the fourth principle is patience or endurance. We spoke about endurance at length in our uh, part two of Overcoming Faith. Keys to Overcoming Faith part two was dedicated to the principle of patience or endurance. We read in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, that faith must also be accompanied by patience if we are to inherit what was promised. A perfect example of this, of course, is Abraham, who, according to the Bible, after he had patiently endured, the Bible says he obtained the promise. But he had to patiently endure for a long, long time before that promise came into fruition. Patience or endurance is the force that we exercise from the time we pray and believe God until the time we see the manifestation of what we prayed for, or the manifestation of the promise. During that time, we exercise patience or endurance. Endurance is the quality that endures, that remains steadfast against all opposition, against all pressure. When pressure comes against us, when opposition comes against us, when trial comes against us, we remain steadfast and steady, enduring uh, and believing God during that time that we do not see anything, we do not feel anything, but we stand fast and firm on our faith. So it's vitally important that we develop the force of endurance or patience. Now, all these principles mentioned must accompany our faith if it is to be productive in our walk with the Lord. Paul mentions the first three of these principles in his prayer to the Colossians, if you recall. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, he says that these are necessary wisdom, knowledge, and understanding if we are to walk worthy of the Lord and if we are to fully please Him and to be fruitful in every good work. And he mentions those three principles. So as you can see clearly from the scriptures that we have read and studied, these principles work together with our faith in order to perfect it or complete it or to bring it to its maximum capacity. And that's what Paul was talking about to the Thessalonians when he said, I long to see you face to face so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift or impart to you or complete that which is lacking in your faith. Today, I'm going to share with you the final key, which in my understanding is the overall principle to an overcoming faith, and that is the love of God, the love of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 
sheds much light on this principle. Galatians 5, 6, I'm going to read it from the two versions, the New King James Version, as well as the Amplified. This is what it says. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. The Amplified says it this way. And that's what he does. It amplifies it. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. You see here the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in Galatia says that if we are in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith which is activated, faith is activated, energized, expressed, and works through love. Notice that the words the Amplified Version uses, activate, energized, expressed, and working. Four different words to give us the full picture and understanding of what love does to our faith. This to me, when I first received it, was a great revelation. We see all of these expressions that are mentioned in God's plan of salvation. It was the love of God that activated and energized his faith to plan and execute the plan of salvation for mankind. Would you agree with me on that? John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The love of God activated his faith, energized it, and put together a plan to save mankind and to restore whatever man lost in the garden. We also see here that it was the love of God working in Christ Jesus, expressing and releasing his faith to work miracles, signs, and wonders on behalf of his people. Love here was the motivation and the reason for the release of his power on behalf of mankind. And throughout the Gospels, we read over and over again that Jesus was moved with compassion and healed the sick, fed the hungry, and delivered the captives. We see here the love of God in action, motivating, energizing, activating, and expressing and releasing the love of the Father through Jesus Christ. But it was the love that gave uh, that gave the, the, the activation, the motivation, and the expression of his faith. Compassion energized his faith. It activated it to work to its maximum capacity, expressing the heart of his Father, which was pure love. God so loved that he expressed his faith and released it in order to bring about healing, deliverance, miracles, feeding the hungry, 
and meeting the needs of all who were present. And I believe that as we grow in the love of God, our faith, this, this gift of overcoming faith that God placed in our hearts when we were born again, the Bible says that every single one of us have received the measure of faith. Every single one of us has a measure of the God kind of faith. Don't ask for more faith. It's unscriptural. Rather, ask him that he would show you how to develop and activate the faith that you already have. That's why I said as we grow in our love walk, our faith will find greater expression in doing the greater works that Christ promised his disciples. Would you agree with me on that principle? As we grow in love, our faith will find greater expression, greater release in doing what Jesus promised to his disciples. Greater works you will do than these because I go to my Father. We will also find it much easier to believe God to trust in his goodness, in his faithfulness, rely more and more on the faithfulness of God. And I do believe, and I'm sure you will agree with me, that Christians who live constantly in all kinds of fear and find it difficult to exercise their faith in God, it's not because they don't have the faith, but because they're not convinced or persuaded or fully convinced that God loves them. And that's where the problem is. They have not developed or grown in the love of God or in the revelation of how much God loves them. As a result, the faith is crippled and ineffective. It's not activated, it's not energized, it's not expressed. Why? because they're not fully convinced that God loves me. They may know that in their head, but it has not become a revelation in the hearts. Why would you worry if your, if your Father in heaven, who is the creator of the universe, says, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the things itself. Don't worry, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, do not fear. Do not worry. Do not stress. Do not, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Did he say that? Of course he did. If you really know that God loves me, God cares for me, then there's no room for fear. There's no room for anxiety. There's no room for worry. And of course, <clears throat> because, because they're not developed in the revelation of how much God loves them, the faith, of course, is crippled and ineffective. And so my counsel and advice to such folk, I'm not saying you're one of them, but if you are, this is what you need to do. Listen carefully. Go to the Word of God. Find scriptures which reveal how much God loves you. And meditate on them. Think upon them daily. Read them several times a day until you are fully persuaded, 
that God loves you beyond measure. That is the antidote to fear, to worry, to stress and anxiety. The Bible says that the revelation of God's love will expel from your heart and mind all kinds of fear, doubt, and unbelief. It will drive it away. Worry will go. Anxiety will go. Stress will go. And you will find God's love activating your faith and then ushering you into the blessed rest of God. You will rest. You will have an inner rest, an inner peace, regardless of what goes on around you, regardless of what is done or what is said to you. There will be a rest from God and a peace that passes all understanding that garrisons, that guards your mind and heart because you know that God loves you. The Apostle John said it this way. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Such love, talking about the love of God, has no fear in it. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Do you see that? The King James says perfect love casts out fear. The New Living Translation makes it clearer. It brings it out. It says such love, the love of God. When we have a revelation of this wonderful love of God, it says that that has no fear in it because perfect love, the love of God is perfect, expels all fear. If we are afraid, if we are worried, if we are anxious, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced or tasted his perfect love. Do you see that? Absolutely. Praise God. I trust the Lord will give you understanding and revelation of what we're sharing today. Paul, in his apostolic prayers, for this reason, he prays for the believers. And notice, he focuses his prayers on this, on this very thing. He prays that they may grow and abound in the revelation of God's love. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding of this great love. He prays that their love will overflow, will grow, will abound. And as they abound in this love, they come to the full knowledge and understanding. And so he prays for that. To the Ephesians, he also prays and he, and, he, and, he, and he writes to them in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through to 19. I'm not going to read the full verses, but I'm just going to read portions of it. He says, I pray that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. 
then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There you go. He prays for the love to throw roots deep and to grow strong, that they may come to the full knowledge and understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And he says, I pray that you may experience. This is revelation knowledge, not head knowledge. Head knowledge has no experience in it. You may experience or taste the love of Christ. So love, according to the word, is the first fruit of the spirit. And you know, fruit has the capacity to grow. If the roots of the tree are planted in good soil and they watered regularly, fruit will grow. The fruit on the tree will grow. The same way with any believer. If the believer is planted where God placed them and are continually watered by the Word and the Spirit of God, they will grow in love and their faith will be active and productive. Now, let me say this. If there is no evidence of their faith reaching out beyond themselves, it is not a faith problem. It is a love problem. It is a love problem. Not grown in the love of God. Paul says, this is what he says, that the love of God compels us, meaning that we are urged. That's what compel means. It means to be urged irresistibly. The love of God within us urges us irresistibly to act for good on behalf of others. That's what God's love does. Because we love God, and we love him because he first loved us. And the love wherewith we love God with and the people is not ours. It is the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5, verse 5, that was given unto us. Because we love God and because we love people, we are urged to do good. We are urged to forgive those who wronged us. We are urged to suffer long and to be kind while we are doing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 gives us a perfect description of the nature of God's love. If you want to know what God looks like or, or what are the characteristics of the love of God, this is where we need to go. This is what the love of God looks like. There are also, these are also the characteristics of a person who has matured in love. Can we read that please from the Amplified? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you're not reading, just take a note and you can look at it later in your own time. Love endures long, speaking about the love of God, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. 
It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. All of the heartaches, all of the problems that humanity is facing today is a result of self, self, selfishness or self-centeredness. This kind of love has never been to a divorce court, ever, or will ever go. It says it is not self-seeking. It does not insist on its own rights nor its own way. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful, and it takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, not the worst, the best. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Wow. That is the nature of God's love. The same love that was shed abroad in our hearts when the Holy Spirit came to live inside you and me has brought this love, the love of God in our hearts. You have the love of God. Don't ask Him to give you more love because He's already given you the love. All we need to do is find out Learn how to develop it, how to grow it, how to release it, how to express it. And I believe as we meditate on these very scriptures that I just read, often, and allow the Spirit, the Spirit will build into us these very same qualities that are mentioned here. Now, I heard... Kenneth E. Hagan say this many years ago, that if he ever discovered that his faith was not actively working, he said, the first place I would look into or examine is my love walk. And particularly, he said, in the area of forgiveness. And I, according to Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 18, Many are in the grips of the tormentor today. I'm not saying all, but many, as a result of their unwillingness to forgive another person. And Jesus taught us that. So it's vitally important that we walk in the love of God, we walk in the forgiveness that we received. We need to release that same forgiveness to others, regardless of what they've done, what they say, so that our faith 
can be productive so that our faith can work to its maximum capacity. Having this in mind, Paul prays fervently for the believers to grow, of course, and abound in love, and to be sincere, he said, and free from all kinds of offense. And here it is. This is how we grow and develop in the love of God. I'm going to share this with you. The Father will give us many opportunities to grow in our love walk and to develop it. Life itself will confront us with many challenges in this area. How we respond to these challenges, of course, will determine whether we're going to grow, we're going to develop in the love of God, or whether we're going to grow bitter and become offended and sometimes walk away. Now here are some wholesome instructions on how to develop the fruit of love. And I know this from personal experience during the years where I was uh, fiercely persecuted by the hierarchy of the Orthodox Church in Zimbabwe. I began to practice, practice this very verse every single day. I would pray for those who persecuted me. I would bless those who cursed me and said I was a heretic. And I would uh, continue to bless them every single day. That was the only way I knew how to navigate through this, this torrent of persecution and, 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 um, and, and the, the things that they were saying uh, about me and spreading around in the Greek community. Matthew 5, verse 44. Jesus is speaking and he says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, didn't Jesus know how we would feel about this kind of people? Of course he knew how we would feel. But what is, it, what, what is he getting at? What is he endeavoring to teach us? He is, he is teaching us that we can rise above our feelings, our emotions, and through the power of the Spirit, respond in love rather than respond the same way they did to us. The Bible says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus empowers us to do what? To live free from the pulls and the desires of our carnal nature. We don't have to yield to the carnal nature because the Bible says we're no longer debtors to the flesh but we are debtors to the Spirit of God. Paul, writing to the Roman believers, echoes the same words of Jesus on the mount. Listen to what he says in Romans 9, 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through to 21. He says, if your enemies are hungry, starve them. <laughs> That's not what he says. He says, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In other words, he's saying, meet the needs of your, of your enemies. In doing this, listen to this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. 
but conquer evil by doing good. He's teaching us to respond in the opposite spirit. That's why this is how we grow, we develop in the love of God. These are the opportunities that, that the Father is giving us every day to grow and to develop. And listen, God would be unjust if he told us to do something without giving us not only the willingness, but also the power to do it. Remember what the scripture says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Thank God he gave us the willingness and he gave us the power. How? In the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Spirit came to live within us, to empower us, to elevate us on another level. We're not of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We have a different culture, different mannerisms than the mannerisms of the world. Because we're not of this world. We are in the world, but not of the world. And we have the means and the power and the ability to respond the way Jesus said respond. And I believe this should be our daily confession. I can do what God says I can do. I can love my enemies. I can bless those who curse me. I can do good to those who hate me. And I can pray for those who despitefully use and persecute me. The love of God will never, ever do evil to anyone, regardless. Jesus said, the Father sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. He causes his son to shine on everyone, making no distinction or no difference. That's the kind of love that God placed in our hearts. And the same kind of love that God is dwells in you and dwells in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is to release it. How do you release it? How do you release this love that is within? Through words and actions. That's how the love of God is released or expressed. It is released through words and it is released through actions. The more we release his love through our words, through our actions, the more we grow and develop in love. We don't have to give in to our flesh, folks. We don't have to give in to our feelings or emotional outbursts. The Bible says we're no longer debtors to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything but death to fulfill its desires. We are debtors to the Spirit. So every time we are given an opportunity to forgive, every time we're given an opportunity to suffer long with someone, to be kind to those who do us wrong, let us thank God for such opportunities because we know that our love will grow under such circumstances. Would you say amen to that? Let us be kind. Let us thank God for such opportunities. Praise God forevermore. Paul says that love, the love of God, is the fulfilling of the law. Well, let's read what he says in Romans 13 verse 8. He says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. 
If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. We don't have ten commandments in the New Testament. We only have one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of God's law. Well, that means if we obey this one commandment of love, it releases us from all the rules and the obligations of the law because love is the fulfilling of the law. We don't have to keep a bunch of other rules and commandments. Just this one. Walk in love. We should be confessing daily. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. I choose to walk in love today. And I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Make your declarations. Declare that you will live by the love of God, that you will walk by faith and not by sight. And remember, never ask God to give you more of what he has already given you. Rather, ask him to show you how to develop the love that you already have. And we grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from one level of love to another. That's how our love grows and develops. And remember this, the more your love grows in the Lord, the more you, are, you, you, you experience the love of God, the more revelation you have of how much God loves you. Your faith will go to work, will be activated, energized, not just on your behalf, but on the behalf of others. And listen, God has given us this wonderful gift of overcoming faith, not just for ourselves, but to spread and to extend the influence of God's kingdom in our spheres of influence. Many years ago, I was sitting before the Lord, and the Spirit convicted me uh, heavily. And He said, I taught you how to use your faith. I taught you how to live debt-free. I taught you how to believe me. And you've seen my works and my miracles in your life. But you know what? You're selfish. You only use your faith for yourself. I was terribly convicted. And uh, during that time, uh, we had a, a pastor's fellowship meeting every Friday years ago. Uh, it was before you joined, Michael. And uh, in that fellowship of pastors meeting, there was a pastor that regularly, he couldn't come to the meeting because he had an old broken down car that used to leave him on the road every now and again. And he would send a message and say, please forgive us, please excuse us, we can't come, our car broke down. Not only that, but he was going through a severe uh, challenges in his own church. Half of his church split up and went down the road and started another church and um, he, he was struggling. His daughter was, one of his daughters was on drugs. So when the Lord began to convict me about this, I began to pray for this pastor and I began to pray for the challenges he has. And um, as I said, one of his problems was that his younger daughter was in drugs and um, he was really 
struggling with that. And so as I began to pray, God began to speak to me and give me a plan of action. That's why I say to you, our faith must always be accompanied with wisdom because wisdom gives us a plan of action. And the Lord put on my heart and I say to him when we met on that Friday, on that particular Friday, I say to him, you need to go away. And I knew he didn't have the money for it. He said, I'll sponsor you. You go away with your wife for three days, go into a time of fasting and prayer, and I will do the same here in my house. And I believe as we fast and pray, God will intervene and set your daughter free. Well, he did. And to cut a long story short, uh, a door opened up for his younger daughter to be sent to Mozambique to a rehabilitation center. She did. She came back fully delivered. She is now preaching the gospel and she's on fire. And she's assisting her father in, in the ministry that the church, uh, they, they, they pastor at this time. That's years ago. And she's still in the Lord. Fire. She's on fire for God. And the other thing, as I was praying, the Lord gave me, that's why I say to you, we need to exercise our faith on behalf of other people as well. People that we meet almost every day. Uh, opportunities that come to our door, knocking on our door and demanding that we use our faith on the behalf of these people. And uh, as I was praying, God gave me a vision in prayer. And what I saw, I saw the church of this pastor. And I saw it in a form of a person and the right hand was withered. That's what I saw in the vision. When I prayed about it, I said, Lord, what does this mean? He said, the withered arm that you saw is the financial arm of the church is withered, it's crippled, it's paralyzed, and it is not working. And so I said, Lord, what must I do? He said, pray. Well, I prayed, but I also called the pastor and I said, this and this and this I saw. This is the vision I had. And he responded by said, would you come and minister at our church? I accepted the invitation. I went there to cut a long story short. I preached on the principles of generosity. That very day, we received 85% of what he needed to purchase a brand new car. In three weeks' time, he was driving a brand new car and he could come to the meeting. And I can relate to you story after story, miracle after miracle, and testimony after testimony. Why am I sharing this with you? So that I can show you or present to you uh, the, the necessity that this God kind of faith that the Lord put in our hearts is not just for ourselves and our family. It is to release and express that faith through the love of God and touch people's lives that are desperate, that are in need. They have a need, they have a situation, but you, through your faith, you, you have access to Almighty God to pray for them. And when you begin to pray and believe God, God is going to give you a plan of action how to bless that individual or how to bless that family. So remember, our faith works together with other principles in the kingdom of God. Wisdom gives us a plan. Understanding establishes us in the faith. Knowledge 
allows us to base our faith and to and to base our faith on the knowledge of God promised us. Endurance. Hang in there. Don't let go of your faith. Regardless of what it feels, regardless of what it, what it looks like, stand on the promises of God. He will come through for you. He may come through early. He may come through late. But you remain steadfast, patient, not being moved, by whatever opposition or circumstances you, you, you find yourself in. And finally, remember to walk in the love of God. Grow in love. Develop your love walk. Thank God for every opportunity that he gives you to develop your love. Forgive those that have grieved you or hurt you or said evil things about you. And not only forgive, but pray for them. Pray for them. Pray every day. Pray that God would bless them, that God would give them revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Pray that he would show himself to them mighty, and he will. And that's how we overcome. And the Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I trust you've learned something about overcoming faith today. And... Uh, Go to the notes, go to the teaching, listen to it over and over again until you digest it. Amen? So let's conclude in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Your word declares that the entrance of your word gives light, gives revelation, gives understanding to the simple. We bless you because you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. May you be blessed and glorified as we exercise our faith through knowledge, through wisdom, through understanding, enduring and being patient, standing firm on your word. And thank you for teaching us how to develop and grow in the love of God. We bless you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.